Well, good morning. This has been a great weekend of worship at Calvary. We had our six o'clock last night, nine o'clock this morning. Of course, our YA had their service on Thursday night, our young adults. And uh, it's been a great weekend. Glad that you're with us this morning, whether you're in the room or you're joining us online. Uh, This is the beginning of a new series for us as we kind of come out of this COVID year, the year of the pandemic, and begin to emerge into new rhythms of life. And so we'll get started on that together this morning. And then I want to just tell you a little bit about last weekend. We had uh, just under 4,000 people join us on campus for all of our Easter services that weekend. That's a great thing to have that many folks back on campus. We've been about 1,400, 1,500 a couple weeks there before that. So to have that many uh, join us and and, uh, connect with us. And then there were over 12,000 household views or individual views uh, online, so another 12,000 plus people, of course many of those being watched by several, joined us, so that's a great thing. And we had a couple dozen indicate in one way or another that they came to Jesus Christ as their savior. So just a great weekend, uh, all the way around to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, thank you, and if you, that's a great thing. Um, uh, our staff was talking and we were talking about how uh, we, we, I knew and we knew together that Michelle Toombs and her team, she'd done a great job of shepherding uh, a great worship uh, experience for us and facilitating the worship of folks who came in. But we kind of concluded that the heart and passion and the desire of folks gathering again just really brought energy to the room as we were gathering to worship our resurrected Savior. So thank you for leaning in last week. Thank you for being here today. You know, this last year, there have been a lot of things that have been thrown off the normal rhythms and pace of life and routines, of course. It, just a lot of stuff has happened. And I've been reading some various statistics. Uh, there are some surveys that say that Bible reading among Christians went down in 2020. There is a statistic that says Gallup takes this poll and, and uh, in terms of church attendance, and they included online worship service, religious service attendance, in terms of attending religious services, uh, that number went down uh, again in the United States. It went down to levels that go back to 1935. And uh, so there have been some trends there that are, are saying something about how people took a step back as life was disrupted even in their religious activities. And, and then, though, when Americans were asked um, about how important faith and religion and God was right now for them in the American culture, that number was higher than it's been in a number of years. And so people know they need the Lord, and sometimes we have good intentions, and we want to we wanna walk with God, we want to open God's Word, but for various reasons, this last year was so disruptive. I've heard people say, you know, early on, when everything was locked down, I found myself praying more and reading scripture more, and then when we got into some new routines and we were able to do more online or communicate or go out to stores, you know, I kind of fell out of that, and then in the summer, and I've heard different people explain the journey they've had with God in different ways throughout 2020. But one of the things we want to do in this new series, Forward, Living and Loving Like Jesus in a Post-COVID World, is just to think about the essence of what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ as individuals, and then we want to talk about what does that mean for us in our marriages, our families? What does that mean for us as a church and how we live and love like Jesus in a post-COVID world? And I know there are some rhythms that are already picking back up, some that won't for a while, some that maybe we'll never go back to or what have you. And we've got some healthy things we want to move forward with. We've got some unhealthy things that developed in our lives, and we need to move those out of our lives. And so we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. And 
Today we want to specifically talk about our growth in the Lord. We're going to talk about abiding in Christ and what that means as individuals as we, we grow in the Lord daily in our own lives, even in our own quiet time with the Lord, personal time. And so I want to ask you to go to Philippians chapter 3 in your Bibles with me. You can go there on a Bible app or on your mobile device. Philippians chapter 3. Today we're going to talk about as we move into a post-COVID world, we need to cultivate lifelong growth rather than comfort and complacency. What am I saying? In our spiritual lives, we need to be intentional about not allowing ourselves to grow stagnant in our walk with Jesus. We need not to get comfortable and complacent. We need to cultivate lifelong growth rather than comfort and complacency. As we get back to maybe some regular rhythms and establish new ones, it would be easy to move forward and to leave out your walk with God. And I want to encourage us together that we would commit as a church family to spending more time with the Lord and and setting aside more time daily to walk with him. And as we do that as individuals, that will strengthen our homes, it will strengthen up us as a church, and we have this opportunity as we emerge into this post-COVID world to think about and be intentional about our walk with Christ. And Philippians chapter three is a chapter I go to in my own personal walk, in my own journey often, and I, I picture the layout that Paul gives us here in Philippians three. He kind of gives the big picture of the Christian life and what it's all about. So I go to this chapter a lot to reorient myself when, when I feel like I need to think again about how to develop and deepen my personal walk with Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you into that today with me. And I have uh, spoken from this chapter or shared some of these thoughts with some of the visuals I'm going to use about five times in the 12 years I've been here at Calvary, and it's a good reminder for us. I'm going to talk about what it means to abide in Christ to, to draw our nourishment and our sustenance in life from him. Uh, so here in Philippians chapter three, the apostle Paul describes the stuff before he came to Jesus as his savior. In verses one through seven, he lists all these good things he's done. Not necessarily his sins, but he lists all of his religiosity and who he was as a keeper of the law, a Pharisee. And he goes through this whole list of these great Jewish credentials of being religious and then he comes to verse seven, I count all that loss for the excellence, he says, that of what I've gained in Christ. And then listen to what he says, and look there in your Bibles, Philippians chapter three, verses eight and nine. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or keeping the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now we often talk about how when someone comes to Jesus, they repent of their sins, but we're actually told we need to repent of our self-righteousness as well. That what, what happens to us when we become a Christian, a follower of Christ, we're given new life, is that we set aside our own self-righteousness, our attempts to be right with God, and rest in what we celebrated last week, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to be right with God. Now, this uh, first symbol that I want to use is going to kind of remind us of that moment when we understand that and we come to Jesus. Thank you very much, Paul. And um, this, of course, is very simply a cross. I'm going to put it here. 
And what Paul is saying here in verses 8 and 9, he says, I'm forgetting those things that are back there. I'm counting them lost. He says, it's garbage. Even his self-righteousness, our sin, we turn from that and we turn to Jesus. And if you're following along and you take note underneath the cross uh, symbol there on your page, you would write, righteous in Christ in those blanks. This is where we're righteous in Christ. In verse 9, he says, I'm standing here knowing Christ. He says, I'm standing here not with my own righteousness, which comes from my keeping the Old Testament law, but he says it's the righteousness of God. And he says it comes on the basis of faith in Christ. So the moment a person puts their faith in Jesus, they're taken out of the sin of their past, the self-righteousness they've tried to do to prove themselves to God, and they are made right with God because of Jesus. So the moment someone puts their faith in Jesus, their sins are removed because of what he did on the cross, and his righteousness is put on them, his goodness. And then when God looks at a person who's put their faith in Jesus, God sees the righteousness of Christ now and forever, positionally. He says, that's how I stand there, in the righteousness, the goodness of Jesus. Let me just say this, if you haven't come to Jesus as your savior yet, it's not about going to church, it's not about enduring my sermons or proving yourself somehow to God in some way. It's faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Just acknowledging that you're a sin, sinner and you can never do enough good things to measure up to who God is, but Jesus did it all for you and you rest in that, to be right with God, to be forgiven. You can put your faith in Christ right now, right where you are. We'd love to celebrate that with you. I'll have care team members down front. I'm going to be out on the patio near the main parking lot after the service. I can have someone on our team show you so you can know that you have the righteousness of Christ covering you and that's, that's how God sees you. You can know that today and we can share that with you. If you're not here on campus or maybe you don't have the time to stick around and chat with someone down front here or out on the patio and you're online even, you can text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen and we'll send you some resources to help you grow in the Lord and we'll celebrate with you that this is the day you came to Christ as your Savior. This is, the, this is where the, we become, this, this is the moment where we get new life and we become followers of Christ. We know Christ as Savior. That's the beginning point of the Christian life. You're not born into it. It doesn't come automatically. It's not about being good enough. It's about resting in Jesus. But you know, I don't know if, you, if you're like me, if you read a book and you really want, you're really curious about how the outcome is, you skip ahead to the last couple chapters. Maybe you've done that before, just taking a peek, and maybe even go back and read the whole thing, but you just gotta know how this is gonna end. Well, I want you to look at the last two verses of Philippians 3, so we get a sense of, of, of Paul saying, yeah, I, I, I'm counting all that loss before I came to Jesus. Now I know him, I'm covered in his righteousness, I'm his child, and now let's see what he says is the end of all of this. Look at, look at uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verses 20 and 21, the last two verses. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body, or the body in which they saw him in post-resurrection form. And so I want to show us the, the end here in a symbol of this arrow, this gold arrow that goes up. Thanks again. And um, this, this is kind of the final chapter, if you will. This is the, the end of the story of, of our Christian lives. He says that 
he looks forward to this time when we are gathered with Jesus, either when we die and we go to be with him in heaven, or when he returns and his people are gathered with him, and eventually he establishes a new heavens and a new earth. We talked about this last week. We said, this is the ultimate Sunday that's coming, when we're with Jesus. And he says, we'll be transformed, we'll be given a, a, a glorious body like his, and, and we will be like him in all of our moral, moral character and fiber. There, we are positionally covered in his righteousness. Here, we will be practically completely whole and our salvation will be complete in him ultimately when we're in heaven. That moment is when we're saved from the penalty of sin. This is when we're saved from the presence of sin. We're with Jesus. If you're following along and to take note, it's, it's forever with Christ there in those blanks. Forever with Christ. That's this point. Righteous in Christ, forever with Christ. Now, most of you don't look like you're at that point. <laughs> I don't think any of you look like you're in heaven already. You look like you're still in this process, this journey. Uh, this distance between the moment we accept Jesus and the time we're with Jesus is called the Christian life. This is the Christian journey. This is what we're all in. If you know Christ as your savior, you're in this journey. Some of you have known Jesus for many years. Some of you came to Christ as a kid. I've known Christ for 45 years plus. I came to Jesus as a child. I've known people who have walked with the Lord for decades and decades and decades. They've known him for 80 years. They're in their 90s and they've walked with Jesus. And so it was a, it's been a longer Christian life for them. Then I remember one man who um, his family shared Christ with him over and over again and he never responded and he was dying of cancer and the family asked me to go in and just talk to him and I went in and he said, you know, my family's been telling me this for a long time and, and uh, he said, just tell me again. I shared with him the good news of how you can have uh, a right standing before God, forgiveness, be his child by faith in Jesus and he put his faith in Christ that day as I was there. And he died hours later. And a couple days later, I did his memorial. And I could confidently say he was in heaven, not because of the good things he'd done or how he lived the perfect Christian life. It's because of what Jesus had done for him, that he stepped into glory. We, none of us know. Our days are numbered by the Lord. None of us know the span of this time of how long our Christian life will be. But we're in this journey between being righteous in Christ and forever being with Christ. And this, this arrow, this green arrow kind of shows, it's green because it should show growth and direction here. Thank you again, Paul. And uh, this arrow represents movement in our journey. And when I mentioned that we can get complacent or comfortable, I'm talking about how we, we can grow in the Lord and then get to a place where we say, you know, I'm better than other people. I don't talk like she talks. I'm not as bad as, oh, look what they did. And we point to all these other Christians and we say, you know what? I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm mature now because I've known the Lord for so many years. And Paul warned us that we compare ourselves among ourselves and compare ourselves by ourselves. We're not wise. Uh, my comparison is not you, and your comparison should not be me. Ultimately, our comparison is Christ. We want to become like Jesus. If we're going to live and love like Jesus in this journey of the Christian life, then we need to be focused on Christ as the model and the example. God's Spirit is working to conform us to the image of God's Son. And so this represents, if you're following in, following again on the take note, this is becoming like Christ. Christ. 
this journey, so that as we become like Christ and the Spirit of God changes us from the inside out, our thinking is changed, our attitude is changed, our relationships are changed, our behavior is changed, and then people see us living and loving like Jesus. When we talk about living and loving like Jesus as a church in this community, we're not talking about just some idealistic distant thought, we're talking about allowing God to transform our lives so people see Jesus more and more in us. Look at the attitude of the Apostle Paul here in the middle of this chapter between what he says is when he came to Christ as Savior and when he'll be with Christ forever, he describes it this way in verse 13 of Philippians 3. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, I, I don't dwell on all of my own self-righteousness or my sin. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm pressing forward toward that prize of being with Christ forever. And this, this journey of getting to know him and becoming like him, it happens as we talk to God in prayer, as we open up God's word and allow him to speak to us. Sometimes this journey is three steps forward, two steps back, three steps forward, two steps back, three steps forward, two steps back, and it but, but there's growth, there's change in us over time as we walk with God. I love how the Apostle Paul passionately speaks about his relationship, his walk with the Lord. In verse 10 of Philippians 3, he says, that I may know Christ. And he's not talking about knowing Christ factually. The word used here for know is to know a person personally. He wants to know him. And then he says, to be willing to suffer like he suffered, if that's the right thing. And then he says, to know the resurrection power of Christ in my life. I mentioned we're freed from the penalty of sin when we come to Jesus as Savior. The curse is removed. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We'll be freed from the presence of sin forever when we're with Christ and we're completely made whole. This journey of becoming like Jesus more and more as we're transformed from the inside out, this journey of becoming like Christ is freedom from the power of sin in our lives as we submit to the spirit of God's control in our lives and what he wants to do in us. Now we'll dwell on this a little more next week because it'll be the main focus of our second message, but we're not in this journey alone. While, while it's important for us to cultivate our own personal walk with God daily, we're not in this alone. We're together in this journey. So look at what he says in verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He would say to the Corinthian believers, follow me as I follow Jesus. He didn't say, follow me, I'm your great example. No, he said, follow me, I'm an example of someone who's following Christ. And we need to be saying that to each other. And we can have individuals in our lives we look at and we say, man, that person has an area of their Christian life. I need to grow because they're following Jesus in this way. I need to follow them as they follow Jesus. So we're not in this journey alone. We're there to encourage each other and build each other up. We're going to talk about that next week, how important it is that we are brothers and sisters of the family of God. But I'm wondering, are you someone who's gotten to a point where you say, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm very comfortable with my Christianity there should be this holy discontent that we, that's always ours that says, boy, I could know Jesus more. I could, I could walk with him more. People could see more of Jesus in me. As they see Jesus in us, what they see will be like the fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians 5, and 23, love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, meekness, those qualities that the Spirit of God produces in us that represent Jesus in our lives. And those who, who don't know him would then say, I gotta know him. And those who come to Jesus because of the testimony of our lives, they become a part of the fruit that we bear as we grow in Jesus. I have the honor here of working daily with Pastor Curtis Johnson, our executive pastor. He oversees all of the operations and ministries, and so we work very closely together, of course. And um, he's a little further ahead in age and stages of parenting. And about 10 years ago, he went through cancer, and I watched him as he walked through that with the Lord, and, and that's now been in remission for a number of years. But he's, he's had an example for me. He's been a testimony to me of what it means to grow in the Lord and to do that within the context of God's family. And I want you to watch just as we asked him some questions this week about his own growth in the Lord, his own walk. I want you just to hear uh, Curtis's experience over the years since he came to Jesus of growing in Jesus and becoming more like Christ every day. Watch this. I'm Curtis Johnson and executive pastor here at Calvary Community Church, uh, my home church for 29 years now. And hey, just want to just tell you just a little bit of my story. Uh, uh, I accepted Jesus Christ as a freshman in college and what a turnaround that was for me. Uh, and now here I'm in my early 60s. So uh, it's been kind of a lifelong journey of faith. And I uh, just wanted to share a little bit about what I've picked up along the way with you today. I haven't always been executive pastor uh, while I've been at Calvary. I started attending Calvary when our son Thomas was first born. And um, then shortly thereafter, I became an elder here at Calvary. And for over a decade, I was on the um, elder board and then tapped on the shoulder one day and asked if uh, I would uh, come on staff as executive pastor. And I was ready, and that was a wonderful uh, decision. There's been a lot of this journey has taken me all different places, but I just wanna share with you a little bit about kind of where a good place to start with, and that is with scripture. I have just enjoyed reading the Bible throughout that time. And I got, I'll be honest with you, I haven't read every day. But I can look back over these decades and uh, have had great times of growth through reading scripture. I can remember being in college and I was flipping through the Psalms and I found a Psalm, it's Psalm 63. That Psalm changed my life. It had such an impact on my life to take that word in and to meditate on it. I don't think I'd ever meditated on any scripture prior to that time but I enjoyed it. And even today, it is one of my favorite scriptures. I remember being 20 years old and having this one professor and he was in his 80s. And uh, he was a wonderful um, Bible teacher and theologian. And he used to say to us in his Scottish brogue, read your Bible 40 times, that's four zero times before you go look and find what you're looking for in a commentary. God has something to say to you, and he wants you to discover it through his scriptures. That's how I look at what scripture is, that he loved me enough and us enough to provide his word and his spirit works. But there are sometimes I'm just not receiving it as such. There are phrases, there is God's word who's speaking to me that is deep into my heart. It's in my brain, and it's amazing how God calls that forth to me in a time 
when he wants me to hear it. I'm a hobby farmer. For 16 years, I've been growing avocado trees and um, they are a finicky tree. And, and more recently, I've been growing some other fruit trees and some vines and things like that. But I always think I'm learning as a farmer. And, and there's a few things that I've learned that I think apply to our faith as well. The first thing is uh, uh, I know what to do. Same with my faith. I know what to do. But I don't, as a farmer, I don't always do what I know. Just because I've learned it doesn't mean I, I do it. And that's really what I wanted to say about our faith, too. Just because I know something or that I've learned something doesn't mean I've applied it. And that's where I think about growing in our faith has a lot to do with application, about applying it. Going back to the farmer, I know that if I don't do anything, the only thing I'm going to grow is weeds. I think a little bit about our faith as well, that if I'm not pursuing it, I'm not applying it, that I'm not growing in my faith, something will grow and it will be kind of the, the version of weeds in our life. But a beautiful crop or a beautiful orchard takes both the knowledge of what you're doing, learn as you go, but a lot of application, meaning you need to be uh, servicing, nurturing, working, giving attention to it, enjoying it, and sharing it as well. It's like our faith. There's no reason to have hundreds of trees just for yourself. The reason to have hundreds of trees is so you can share, you can share the crop, you can share the harvest. And our faith is that way as well. What God has done, he's done for all, not just for me. And so what I know and what I have learned and what I can apply is to help other people with their faith as well. There's a lot of repetition that happens when you're farming. Uh, there's a lot, you know, after one row, there's another row and then there's another row. So our faith is somewhat that way as well. There's a lot of repetition. Going to church, uh, reading your Bibles, repetition. Small groups is repetition that I love and enjoy. And all of these types of repetition that we can get, we can choose to engage in will help grow our faith. Let's be active together. Let's engage together. And uh, I get it with COVID, there's some still some things we're not doing, but there's a lot of things that are really, that are happening and have been happening uh, in and through Calvary. Put it this way, the act of agreeing to, then showing up and participating is a way to really grow in your faith because many times you're not sure what you're going to expect, but when you experience it and you experience it with others as well, it's a very powerful thing. Leadership comes in many forms, in many roles, and uh, we just want you to invite you to explore that as a, a next uh, step in your journey and of growing in your faith. Scripture has not changed. Just as valuable as it was over for me over the last four decades, for the decades that I have left, it's going to be just as valuable, if not more valuable. And that's the way we can look as we approach the years ahead, that we have the resources to come alongside of us, to help us grow in our faith. We have Calvary Community Church, an amazing church that over 40 years, almost 45 years now of serving in the Conejo Valley. 
that we are a part of that can help us to grow in our faith. But you're going to need to sign up. You're going to need to show up. You're going to need to participate. And you will be blessed in doing so. I love Curtis's uh, energy, his smile. His, there's something invitational about the way he tells his own story of walking with Christ since that freshman year, receiving him as his savior in, in, in college. This, this journey we're on of becoming more like Jesus every day, you can even sense it in the tone he's talking about how we spend time with God in God's word. We, we talk to God in prayer and then we put it into application. Then we join with others and, and there's a growth there. You know, a lot of people kind of get to the idea that I've known Jesus for 30 years or five years, so I'm, I'm mature in Christ. Maturity isn't a place you arrive in this journey. Maturity is a mindset that says, like Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward, I keep growing, I keep becoming like Jesus. Now, in this, this journey of growing, there is this beautiful imagery, and Curtis kind of began it already in what he said about being a hobby farmer. There is this beautiful imagery Jesus gives his followers in John 15, talking to his disciples. If you want to turn there, John 15, he talks about abiding, remaining, connecting, drawing our sustenance, our life, our spiritual nutrition from him. And he says in John 15, 1, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He'll go on to say that we who are his followers are the branches. And we were connected to the vine as we were birthed as a branch that moment we received Jesus as Savior. And he says in verses two and three, his father is the gardener and his father takes care of, of all the needs of the, the branches. And then he says in verses four and five, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a double negative in the Greek. Without me, you can absolutely do nothing ever in any way. And then each time he talks about if you remain in me and I remain in you, the construction of that is the assumed answer is yes, because we do remain in him as we know him, and then we need to intentionally choose to draw our sustenance and our life from him. We need to abide with him. And I wanna talk about what abiding emphasizes and what that means in our walk with Jesus as individuals, as followers of Christ. Uh, first of all, abiding in Christ emphasizes being with him rather than doing for him. A lot of people in their Christian life just think it's doing something, and there is something about serving and doing and being engaged. That's important, but you need to cultivate a life of being in the presence of God on a daily basis. Sometimes that's referred to as a quiet time, a devotional time, time you spend with the Lord. It's where you take at least five or 10 minutes each day to read God's word, talk to God in prayer. You, you take a moment to just orient your life to him. You know, really, what's, there's something so popular in our world today. It's mindfulness. There are all kinds of mindfulness apps. And the idea is we need to block out the things of the world and just have moments of peace where we just set aside time every day to block out all the noise and to relax and be refreshed. But one of the great dangers with some of what the world talks about is just empty your mind of everything and wait and see what fills it. 
Whereas the Christian life is all about meditating on Scripture. You heard Curtis reference the professor who said, read that Scripture 40 times before you go to, to a commentary because you want to meditate on it. God's Spirit will take God's Word and the living Spirit of God will take the living Word of God and will impact your life as you are there in the presence of God. We need to be in the presence of God. Can I encourage you, if you've fallen away from spending time with the Lord and in his word, set aside this week just 10 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be in the morning. Some people say, better be in the morning. No, I know some of you, that's not a good time. You'll just fall asleep on your Bible, right? For some of you, it's, it's at night as you're going to sleep. I remember my dad had his own quiet time he used to get what was the Daily Bread, a little booklet that had daily devotionals, a scripture to read, and then uh, some inspirational thoughts. And he worked at the factory and had one of those black lunch boxes like Herman Munster on the Munsters, you know. And in the top was a thermos. And my dad took that little booklet of those devotionals for the quarter and he put it in the top of that, uh, that lunch box and it was shaped like the thermos. So if you ever saw it on the kitchen table when... He was changing out his lunch or whatever. There'd be this curled up devotional booklet. And so it could be at a point when you're on your lunch break. Whatever works for you, find a place, find a rhythm, just to take five or 10 minutes and let God speak to you and you talk to God in prayer. You can use other resources. We've got Bible reading plans available on our website. Go to calvarywestlake.org. Scroll down a little bit and you'll see a little icon for Bible reading plans. Uh, I've been writing for a year the Take Five devotionals, write them every day, gives you a scripture to read, you read that scripture, let God begin to speak to you, and then the devotional I write uses some illustration or something to help you apply that to your life that day or to think that through for yourself in those moments. And you can get that as well at calvarywestlake.org and there's a little icon that says Take Five. The idea is take five minutes a day to pray, to read that, to talk to God. I write them so they take about three minutes and the scriptures take about a minute and you could just slow down. And maybe you've been doing that and it's time to like expand that little bit of time and maybe you need to read more, you need to pray more. Just grow in this area. As we go into this post-COVID world, don't get into new, fresh or, or, or return to certain routines without thinking about cultivating your personal walk with God. There's another great resource. One of the, one of the highest downloaded apps is a Bible app called YouVersion. You can go to YouVersion.com and see uh, where you can pick that up for your smartphone, for your tablet, for your computer. It's a wonderful resource with all different versions of the Bible. And um, the app has been downloaded over 418 million times. It's a great resource, it's totally free. But in that Bible app, at uversion.com, in that Bible app, there are Bible reading plans. There are devotionals that last a week, two weeks. You can use that. If you say, well, I'd just like to open the Bible, where do I start? Just read a chapter in John every day. Or go to the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. As last I checked, there just aren't any months that have 32 days, so you got one chapter for each day for every, every month. But find a way to allow God to speak to you. He's revealed himself to us in his word, and the spirit of God that is within us will then take that word and transform our minds and our hearts and our lives and our behaviors as we become more and more like Jesus. Then we'll live in love like Jesus, but you, you have to be with him rather than do for him. Secondly, Abiding in Christ emphasizes knowing God rather than knowing about God. It emphasizes knowing God rather than knowing about God. 
There are a lot of Christians who take a lot of classes, which aren't wrong. They get a lot of information about the Bible or they understand theology and they've got it all down and you could give them a quiz or a test and they know all about God. But when Paul said in in Philippians 3.10, I want to know him, I want to know Christ, it was personal. And this abiding imagery that Jesus uses for his followers is us abiding in the vine, us drawing our life, our sustenance daily from the vine. If we heard that a couple had met on a, you know, a good dating site and, and uh, they were matched really well, so they meet up for a, it's a good Christian dating site, and they meet up for their first date, and uh, they leave that first date, and the next year they just send each other surveys and questions, they send questions to, to each other's family and friends, and they compile all this data and information, and a year later they get together and they come with these big notebooks full of information on each other, and they sit down, and this is their second time to ever meet or ever talk, and they, they said, let's get married. Most of us would say, wait a minute. You, you, you really don't know each other. Oh, we got these notebooks full from all these different surveys and questions. It's one thing to know about someone. It's a whole other thing to know about, to know them personally, not about them. Too many Christians know about God, and they don't know God. Abiding in the vine, spending time on God's word, talking to God in prayer, even letting other Christians speak into your life. That's the way you get to know God in the journey, and he molds you and shapes you and makes you more like his son. Thirdly, abiding in Christ emphasizes growing over time rather than flourishing right now. I've had people say to me, oh, pastor, I tried it. I did seven days. I read the Bible seven days in a row. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing changed. I didn't have any wow moment, no lightning bolts. No goosebumps came. I tried it. I, I, I just can't keep it up. Well, to be spiritually fit, you have to develop a routine where you're letting God speak into your life and, and, and you talk to him in prayer, taking that time each day to close out the world and focus on God. Let him fill your heart and mind. It's kind of like saying you're, uh, you're out of shape and you're going to eat right, so you eat right for four days and say, eh, I didn't lose any pounds, I'm not doing this anymore. Or taking a vitamin one, vitamin one time and thinking that vitamin is going to really help you. This is discipline. Curtis talked about that, that there's a routine, there's an experience where we meet God, usually at the same time every day. We let him speak to us, we speak to him, and over time then, we get spiritually fit and he transforms us. Now, don't get me wrong, there'll be moments that the word of God will just, wow, I never saw that before. Boy, that met me right here. And the Holy Spirit has a wonderful way of doing that. Curtis mentioned the one where he came to that psalm And it's just, he's latched onto it and he's followed it since then. It's special to him. I've got a number of those in my life. There are some great mountaintop experiences with God. But don't expect every day to be some great mountaintop experience or it didn't help you, it didn't grow you. It's about being spiritually fit and allowing him to transform us day by day as we become more like Jesus. Fourth and finally, abiding in Christ, being with him, letting him speak to us through his word, Abiding in Christ emphasizes bearing fruit rather than looking good. Many of us just try to look the Christian part or try to let other people think we're Christian. We try to project this image about looking good. When what he is telling us is when we draw our sustenance and life and nourishment from him, 
we get strong and vibrant and we bear all kinds of fruit. Then people see those qualities, those fruit of the Spirit come out. They see Christ's likeness come from our lives. They see us living and loving like Jesus, not just as some motto or theme or just an idea, an abstract thought. It's truly happening. It's God transforms us and makes us like his son. Leslie and I, in our first home, had a bunch of, not in our home, but at our home, had a bunch of fruit trees. We bought a piece of property in our first home. It was kind of where the far western suburbs of Philadelphia uh, meet uh, the rural area. And so this older couple sold us this home. They had been in ministry and they had planted like 100 to 150 rose bushes on this property. They'd been retired for a number of years and we bought it. So they really cultivated their property. They had uh, 35 fruit trees. Like in our second year, a tornado came through and we didn't quite have that many fruit trees anymore. Um, but I remember the first year looking at some apple trees that were together, half a dozen or so apple trees in this clump, and, and I thought, okay. And they hadn't taken care of these trees in a while, and somebody said, you need to prune those. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to prune these trees. I'm going to get them ready for the fruit-bearing season. We're going to have some great apples. And I'm, I'm out there working, and two older men who were walking down the road uh, from the church passed by, and they came up and said, can we give you a few tips on pruning trees? I said, sure, I've already done this a couple times and you're catching me doing it again. And they said, number one, you don't use a chainsaw to prune trees. <laughs> oh, okay. They said, number two, why are you allowing all these, and they called them sucker branches at the base of where the limbs were, all these, I said, look how green they are, look how beautiful they are. I'm cutting off anything that isn't as green as they are. I'm letting them grow. That's where the fruit's gonna come from. They said, no, there's a reason they're called sucker branches. They take all the nourishment and life out, but they never bear any fruit. You need to cultivate it in such a way. And the, the father, the gardener, is using the spirit of God to cultivate us. And it's not just, see, I thought those branches looked good because they were green and lively. And they said, no, that's a distraction. It's not about looking good in the Christian life. It's about bearing fruit so that others who don't know Jesus see Jesus in us, and then we can share with them the hope of the gospel. They can come to Jesus and join us in the journey until we're with Jesus once and for all and forever. Has your spiritual walk gotten a little dry, a little dead? Have you been kind of in a desert spiritually in your own personal walk? Set aside some time this week. Maybe if you've, if you've been faithful in your walk with Jesus and opening God's word, add a couple minutes. Add a few items to your prayer list. Let's cultivate intentionally our walk with Christ. Let's be abiding in Jesus so that he can grow us and make us more like Jesus. There are a lot of things we could think about and there are a lot of stuff I know that's happening in the world, but we need to be about what God has called us to be and all those other things will fall in place when we're abiding in Christ and we're becoming more like Jesus every day. Think about where your own spiritual walk is. Make a fresh commitment to the Lord. Decide to spend some time with him so that he can speak into your life and make you more and more like Jesus every day as you walk with him. People will notice it. People will see the change. People will be drawn to Jesus through your life no matter what else is going on because you're becoming more like Christ. That's what we need as we move forward and our personal walks with Christ. God, we thank you that you've called us 
out of our sin and our self-righteousness and you've covered us in the righteousness of Christ, we thank you that one day we'll be forever with you and we will be complete and whole, freed from every aspect of sin and brokenness. You'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more mourning, no more sorrow, no more death. Oh, that's a great day that's coming. And we thank you that you don't leave us adrift between the time we come to you as Savior and the time we're with you forever. We, we thank you that we get to be a part of a journey, a walk with you. Help us to get to know you to grow in you, to allow you to speak to us through your love letter, the word of God, uh, to speak to you with our heart's desires and the, the troubles we're going through. May we abide with you and may we grow and thrive so we bear more fruit every day. Father, help us, whatever the patterns have been in the last year, to recommit ourselves or to commit ourselves for the first time to a daily walk with you, even just taking five or 10 minutes a day or growing that time as we walk with you. May others see Jesus in us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.